0: God's Word. And if you don't have one, please take the one before you in the pew uh, and turn to Joshua chapter 9. If you're using the pew Bible, you'll find that on or about. 343. I believe that's correct. It's in your outline if you need some direction there. Um, 343, Joshua chapter 9. We'll read the whole chapter as we learn about the Gibeonite deception this morning. Hear now the Word of the Lord. As soon as all the kings who were beyond the Jordan in the hill country and in the lowland all along the coast of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites heard of this, they gathered together as one to fight against Joshua and Israel. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they on their part acted with cunning But the men of Israel said to the Hivites, perhaps you live among us. Then how can, we make sure, how can we make a covenant with you? They said to Joshua, we are your servants. And Joshua said to them, who are you and where do you come from? They said to him, from a very distant country, your servants have come because of the name of the Lord your God. We have heard a report of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings, the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon, the king of Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth. So our elders and all the inhabitants of our country said to us, take provisions in your hand for the journey and go meet them and say to them, we are your servants. Come now, make a covenant with us. Here's our bread. It was still warm when we took it from our houses as our food for the journey on the day we set out to come to you. And now behold, it is dry and crumbly. These wineskins which... uh, were new when we filled them, and behold, they have burst. And these garments and sandals of ours are worn out from the very long journey. So the men took some of their provisions, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live, and the leaders of the congregation swore to them. Now at the end of three days, after they had made a covenant with them, they heard that they were their neighbors and they lived among them. The people of Israel set out and reached their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, Chepharah, Beeroth, and uh, Kiriath-Jerim. The people of Israel did not attack them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. Then all the congregation murmured against the leaders, but all the leaders said to all the congregation, We have sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we may not touch them. This we will do to them, let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath that, he sw- that we swore to them. And the leaders said to them, Let them live. So they became cutters of wood and drawers of water for all the congregation, just as the leaders had said of them. Joshua summoned them and said to them, why do you deceive us? Why did you deceive us, saying we are very far from you when you dwell among us? Now, therefore, you are cursed, and some of you shall never be anything but servants, cutters of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God. They Answered Joshua, because it was told to your servants for a certainty that the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. So we feared greatly for our lives because of you and did this thing. And now, behold, we are in your hand. Whatever seems good and right in your eyes to do to us, do it. So he did this to them and delivered them out of the hand of the people of Israel, and they did not kill them. But Joshua made them that day cutters of wood and drawers of water for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord to this day in the place that he should choose. The grass withers, the flowers fade. But the word of our God shall indeed stand forever. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, as we come to your word this morning, we pray that by your spirit you would use it in our lives. Show us our sin that we might repent. Show us, Lord, the wiles of the evil one that we might trust all the more upon you and rest in the fact that you, O Christ, have defeated our adversary. Now, Father, be with us by your spirit, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Beware, for our adversary is cunning. Therefore, seek the Lord to stand firm and rejoice, for Christ has defeated our adversary. You know, throughout the um, history of military engagements, there's something called the ruse de guerre, the tricks of war. And they're really important for any kind of military strategy. We saw this a few weeks ago at the second battle of Ai. Ai when an ambush was used to defeat the people of Ai. We see it in the age of sail. In the days when warships were powered by sail, it was common to paint warships to look like merchant ships. And they would paint over the gun ports and even hang canvas over the side to hide the the unique outline of a warship. You would often use a flag of your enemy uh, and you would only lower it right as you were firing the first shot in the hopes that they would be fooled. We saw it in the Second World War when the Germans were anticipating invasion and the Allies. We made a, a whole dummy army and put a very important general in, in front of it, uh, General Patton. We went so far to create dummy radio signals and dummy tanks that sat in the English countryside and even dropped dummy paratroopers from planes with firecrackers attached to them to simulate gunfire. We saw this, unfortunately, last fall with the Paris attacks by ISIS, that some of the initial attacks were in distant parts of the city, small attacks to draw the police forces away from their main thrust. Well, of course, there is an analogy here between physical warfare and spiritual warfare. See, the reality is that we fight each and every day against our adversary, Satan. We fight against our flesh, and we fight against the world. And it seems like Satan is really, really good at a ruse to gear, the tricks of war, in order to fool us. All of history has known this fight. Genesis 3.1, we read, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. The same word crafty here, it is used in our text this morning. It's translated as cunning. It says the Gibeonites, on their part, acted with cunning. The Gibeonites, make no mistake, were the enemies of God's people, but they employed a very powerful and convincing ruse to guerre, a trick of war in order to fool the Israelites and entering into an irrevocable covenant with them. The fact is that we face similar attacks each and every day as believers. My friends, beware for the evil one is cunning and seek the Lord that you may stand firm, but rejoice, rejoice. That Christ has defeated the evil one, is defeating the evil one, and will defeat the evil one. The first thing we see is that our adversary is cunning. The text finds us at Gilgal. Now there are about three different Gilgals listed in Scripture, so we're not entirely sure which one this is. The one we've seen already was next to the Jordan River uh, in Joshua chapter 4, when the memorial stones were raised after the crossing of the Jordan River. We think they're probably there, but we're not entirely sure. But there was a group of um, different kings that had changed their tune. Remember, originally the kings of the promised land heard what God had done to the Jordan, and to the Red Sea, and to Egypt, and Sihon, and Og, and to Jericho, and later Ai, and their hearts melted. But all of a sudden, now they are coming together as one, according to verses 1 and 2, to do battle with Israel. Now, that story is going to pick up in the next couple of weeks uh, in Joshua 10 and 11. But there is this group, <laughs> this group within uh, the Hivites. The Hivites were one of these nations that God's people were meant to destroy, called the Gibeonites. And it was a, a, a league of four cities that had come together and sought to deal on their own with God's people, and they acted with great cunning. The fact is that um, we deal also with a cunning adversary. And we learn, I think, from the cunning nature and actions of the Gibeonites a lot about our own fight, our own battles of spiritual warfare each and every day. And the first thing we see is the Gibeonites acted only in their best interest. They acted only in their best interest. See, they were seeking to fool Israel into entering into a treaty or a covenant with them that they might not be destroyed by them. And it was very much to the detriment of Israel to enter into this covenant. First of all, it put their covenant relationship with God on the line because they would be in direct disobedience to it. But greater than that, the very reason why Israel was called to destroy the Gibeonites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, all these guys, parasites, the (laughs) Perizites. There were some parasites in there too. Uh, The reason they were called to destroy them was because God worried and knew that if they didn't, they would go after their gods. And they would turn away from the Lord, which is exactly what happened. But the Gibeonites didn't care. They were only looking out for their own interests. And they were only looking out for their own interests too with the other Hivites. Remember, they belonged to another nation group. And they turned their back on the other Hivites Something that the Hivites aren't going to like. We'll see that next week, or two weeks, I guess, uh, when they turn and attack the Gibeonites. I remember I was, uh, in high school, I loved cars. I still like cars. But um, I would go and get these um, pamphlets that you can get from the dealerships on different vehicles. And they spent a lot of money on these things. And I was reading one, and it was talking about Because they wanted you to have such a wonderful sound experience in your stereo, they were not going to put four speakers in. They were going to put six. And I ran to my brother and I said, Hart, these guys are looking out for me. They know what I need and they've they've gone beyond what they're supposed to do so that I can have a really good experience. He said, Parker, they're just trying to sell you that car. They were looking out for their own interests. They're looking out for their own interest. The Gibeonites were looking out for their own interests. And, and, and be not fooled, my friends. The evil one looks out only for his best interest. He seeks to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. When we fight temptation, when we fight sin in everyday life, things come to us in, in tempting form like we need that. Like it's in our best interest too. But Satan knows, he knows just the perfect dress, just the perfect label, just the perfect feel. The buyer beware, Satan is only looking out for his own interests and his minions and my flesh and the world. As we deal every day with spiritual warfare, we remember beware our enemy is cunning. He only works his best in his own interest, and the Gibeonites here went to great lengths, great lengths, in order to fool the Israelites. They knew a lot. We see this in verses six, nine, and twenty-four. They had done their research. They had done their research. Bernie Madoff, you know, Ponzi scheme guy, um, worked in his own interest for sure. But you know, he he went to great lengths too. And he would even produce dummy reports with exact numbers. He would find what would have produced the returns he was giving and say this is what I did it for and produce a report saying this is how I invested your money and made all your money. He went to great lengths to fool his um, victims. So did the Gibeonites. See they knew about the law of God. They had done their research. They knew about Moses and his special designation as servant of the Lord, a very significant designation. They knew the covenant name of Yahweh. They even knew that, that the Israelites could not enter into covenant with people within the promised land, only those without, outside the promised land. That's why they said they had come from a very far country. Who are you? Oh, we've come from a very distant country. They went to great lengths to the point where they had worn-out sandals and worn-out wineskins and worn-out sacks for their donkeys and worn-out clothes, and and their food was crumbling and dry. My friends, Satan is a very smart creature, isn't he? He goes to great lengths. The long con is always the most effective because the long con knows the victim well knows what is tempting and what isn't. First, the temptation is small and seemingly insignificant. No one will know. No one will know. And when the payout seems good, the investment of sin gets a little bit larger next time. The increase is never too much. It's just enough. Until the next thing we know, is an all-or-nothing gamble. Well, they had a well-crafted plan. Verses 4 through 5. They on their part actually cunning and went and made ready provisions and took worn out sacks for their donkeys and wineskins worn out and torn and mended with worn out patched sandals on their feet and worn out clothes and all their provisions were dry and crumbly. You know, I, I love uh, I love model airplanes. I didn't do them as a child. <laughs> um, I've done them mostly since we've been married. I hadn't done it in a while, but I used to do it for stress relief. And, and Thomas's room is full of these things. But do you know the hardest ones to do are the ones that are supposed to be camouflage? Those are the hardest ones to paint. Anybody can put them together. And anybody can paint them one color. Even I can do those things. But to get the decals just right, there's little decals. And the paint color is tough. But somehow when we, when we deal with spiritual warfare... We're up against a foe who knows the color of camouflage. And he hides in that gorgeous bait a sharp hook. Devious lies, wrote, uh, John 8, Satan is a liar and the father of lies. You know, the da- most dangerous kind of lie is the one that has some truth hidden in it, right? And certainly... The Gibeonites had truth in what their lies. Yes, they had been sent out by their elders. Yes, they had taken provisions. They had come a distance, probably about, I think, about 30 miles or so, but surely not as far as they said. My friends, we ought to be careful. We ought to be because our enemy is cunning. And where the Lord is working, Satan is not far behind. That is a good rule of thumb. Wherever the Lord is working... Satan is not far behind. If you are experiencing revival in your own heart, then guard yourself all the more. And seek the Lord that you might stand firm. See, I'd like to be able to say that Joshua and the leaders handled this issue well, that they stood firm, but we see in verses 14 and 15 they did not. So the men took some of their provisions, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live, and the leaders of the congregation swore to them. You know, it's not a sin to be fooled. That's not their sin. It's not a sin to be fooled by people who are really good at fooling people. The sin here is they didn't seek the Lord, they didn't seek the Lord. You know, they, they obeyed the law in such a way that it looks nice on the outside. They knew that they couldn't enter into covenant with someone inside the promised land, only those outside. And so they, they went through the motions of making sure these people weren't from the inside. They, they acted religiously, but in a way that had nothing to do with Jesus. Perhaps this is very common in a southern society. That we, we act in a religious nature, but in reality, there's nothing to do with Jesus. The Pharisees did this, right? They went to the nth degree. They were always the most vocal when their morals were broken. They were always the most vocal when something bad happened in culture, but they did it in such a way they never knew Jesus. We will never stand firm in the power of God's might against spiritual warfare if we do not know and seek and pursue the Lord daily. We just go through the motions it will do us no good. So the reality is, as we, or as we do battle with the, the evil one, this cunning evil one, we are called to put on the whole armor of God. This is the answer. And the only offensive weapon that we find in the armor of God is the word, the sword of the word, and Prayer. Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, we're told. As we fight this battle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, here's the thing. We do so knowing what Colossians 2.15 tells us that Christ has disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Here's the thing, here's the good news. Yes, we are to beware the cunning of the evil one and we are to stand firm as we seek the Lord and we can only do so by the good news that Christ has defeated the evil one. Now it is a now and a not yet kind of thing, isn't it? For on the cross, Satan was shown for who he was. And the head of the serpent, excuse me, the, the serpent bit the, head, the, the heel of our Savior. Genesis 3.15, but our Savior crushed the head of the serpent. And we yearn for the day when Christ comes back. And Satan is thrown finally into the lake of fire. But this he did for you. And because of this, the power of sin has been taken away from God's children Romans chapter 6 tells us this in spades. The power of sin is no more for those who love Jesus and are called according to His purpose. Those who know Him and and, and, and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That on the cross, not only did He deal with the guilt of our sin, but also the power of our sin. That we can stand firm and that we can see the schemes of the devil for what they are as we seek counsel from the Lord. This He has done for you on the cross not because you're good not because you have anything to offer to the Lord we are vile wretched sinners we too are counted as the enemies of God according to Romans 5 apart from God's love he did this because of his love the love with which he loved us by his grace well the aftermath is messy it's always messy after we mess up isn't it it's always messy even when we try to do the right thing even when we seek the Lord and things go south it's always messy and it's messy here before they make a covenant and three days later they find out that these people don't belong to some distant land, they belong to inside the promised land six miles from Jerusalem these are people in the heartland of the promised land and so they journey there and they're faced with a very tough decision what to do they've been called to destroy these people, they would entered into covenant and we see that God upholds their decision later in chapter 10 and later in First Samuel into 1 Samuel we see it there too, that God agreed with this decision and they decided to honor this irre- irrevocable covenant that they had made with uh, the Gibeonites. And Joshua was put in the impossible position of mediating between his people, they are murmuring against their leaders, and the Gibeonites. And he saves the Gibeonites. See, we are called to deal with the consequences of our sin in a godly way just because there are consequences of sin does not mean that we can deal sinfully with the consequences. Just because we've messed up something serious doesn't mean we can continue all messing up. We mess up, we repent, and then we deal with it and trust the Lord to help us from there. This is why there's hope in the gospel that God deals with mess-ups like me. The aftermath is messy. And we're called to deal with it in a godly way because Christ has defeated Satan and he is defeating Satan and he will defeat Satan when he comes again. Because here's the thing, God is going to use it for good. This is the promise, that God is going to use it for good. Here, we find that the Israelites gained some really helpful labor. And the cutters of wood and drawers of water... Things that may not seem important to us, but were crucial in that time time frame. We know that that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Well, my friends, spiritual warfare is real. It is real. Um, It is real. But our Savior is more powerful than the evil one. And Satan himself is a created being. Genesis 3 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other of the animals that God had created. Who created the serpent? It was God. There's tension there. I don't I can't explain all those things. But our Savior is more powerful than anything that we could face. First Corinthians 10 tells us that God will always give an out for temptation. Because our Savior died on the cross for us. And he didn't die on the cross for us to live in sin. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Therefore, do not resubmit your your lives to the yoke of slavery. And may the Lord Jesus come back soon. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we rejoice and that when things get hard in this world, as they often do, as we fight sin day in and day out, tooth and nail, that we rejoice in the certainty that Satan has been bound. And though he flails as one who is mortally wounded. We rejoice in the knowledge that you give us strength to resist the schemes of the devil as we put on the whole armor of God and we rejoice all the more that one day Christ will come back, our king, and will finally and fully put away the evil one. We, re- we, we yearn for that day. Until that day, Lord, help us to run the race well, finding our significance, finding our hope in the gospel. And the good news of Jesus is in His name we ask it. Amen. Well, our Savior leads us. And He continues to subdue all His and our enemies. So let's stand and sing together of that very truth. From 483, Lead On, O King Eternal. turn and receive god's good word to you the god of peace will soon crush satan under your feet the grace of our lord jesus christ be with you and all god's people said amen